0: From magical movies. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was Christmas. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Number. The, the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Don't forget about back your back worries and your stuff.
1: Look, have I got it? The magic feather. Now you can fly.
0: Ohana means family. Just a sec. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> I'm taking you to some place pretty special. Clean and Let oh, you won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glosson and Teresa Delgado.
2: Hello and welcome to Disney Vault Talk. My name is Steve Glosson. Glad to be along with you on this episode number 73 of Disney Vault Talk, where we will be discussing... The Disney Pixar film, Finding Nemo. We're going under the sea, but not with a Little Mermaid. We are headed under the sea, uh, and we're just going to keep swimming until we get to uh, what we're going for. And of course, it's not just me here on this journey to the to the depths, to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, I also have along with me, of course, the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk, who's apparently going to get no musical intro because once again... My computer is frozen up. She's What's the lo- up? Wh- Hold on. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ho- hold on. She's the lovely, the talented, the powerful. Teresa Delgado. Hello Teresa. Hey.
1: It's all right.
2: How it's going?
1: How it's going? It's going uh interesting
2: today it is an interesting listen we
1: it it was a really good day and then it it took a turn yeah
2: well yeah it took a turn the minute i I logged on to skype with you and uh you broke some news to me i don't spend a lot of time on the socials anymore these days and um and so i don't really catch the news very quickly um and uh and and you you clued me in on um well, we've lost another one, ladies and gentlemen. We, we've we lost mm-hmm. another... For me, I've lost another person from my childhood who was very instrumental in... Well, oh my gosh. Oh, Are you serious? God. This God. is not appropriate. Not appropriate. I'm
0: American, man.
2: Okay, I don't know what... That. That's terrible. Okay, uh, yeah. Gee whiz. <laughs> I was, well, That, I mean, okay. Like... The the, the button to stop it isn't even showing up right now. Okay, there it is. Good night. It's not funny. This is terrible. This is the worst tribute ever to anybody. Look, I'm curious right now.
1: I know, but I, you know, if, I'm laughing because I don't know what else to do because well, I would cry. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. One of those things. Like I don't know. What, like I don't
2: know. There are there are a handful of people that as as we get older and we come to that point in life where you know they they take that inevitable journey to the other side. It's gonna it's gonna cause some pain because you know you you talk about people from different properties and, and franchises that were a huge part of my my childhood and 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 in my entire life I've mourned maybe three or for celebrities. And I've said that for the for the longest time. I was really, really sad when Jim Henson passed. When Bill Bixby died, broke my heart. And when Christopher Reeve passed away, it was very emotional. Um, you know and Robin Williams, I remember Oh that. yeah, Robin Williams was rough. Yeah. And then, you know, of course a couple of years ago when Carrie Fisher passed away, that was just so kind of out of the blue and 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 just heartbreaking. And then today we received word through social media from his family and management um that Peter Mayhew has passed away. The the actor who portrayed Chewbacca in all of the original trilogy, as well as Star Wars episode three, The Revenge of the Sith. Um and uh was on And
1: I think he did clone did he do what work he, for he
2: yes, he was a consultant on Clone Wars with the episode with Chewbacca and he was in the suit some Uh, For the Force Awakens, Um, and uh, and and he became a staple at Star Wars conventions and and various sci-fi conventions throughout the years, uh, signing autographs. And when Celebration came along, you know, able to be up on stage and tell his stories and and talk about uh, you know what the movies meant to him and that sort of thing and and he became just an incredible this word gets thrown around a lot for these for these actors who have been a part of the franchise but he became an incredible ambassador to the fans um of Star Wars uh you know Peter especially as he got older and he began to have you know knee problems and that sort of thing he he'd find himself kind of uncomfortable and and he'd get tired and and he could be you know take on a wookiee persona and there are many people who had in, interactions with him where they could tell you know, he was kind of done for the day, but Mm -hmm. he also, you know, the opposite is also true that once he got his coffee in and once he kind of got going, you know, that he was also giving to fans and he was super active with fans on social media. I remember, um, a couple of years ago, one of my friends, um, who is a star Wars fan. She was, uh, one of my, one of my teenagers when I was a youth pastor and, and she and her husband have a little girl who, loves Chewbacca, and, and and she made this child a Chewbacca costume for Halloween, and she actually tweeted at Peter Mayhew, you know, this is what my child wanted to do. You know, she wanted to be a Wookiee for Halloween, and Peter Mayhew actually t- tweeted back and said, and what a mighty Wookiee she is. And Aww. it was just this, like, highlight of, of these people's lives because, you know, he chose to give that. He embraced being Chewbacca, and he embraced what that meant to fans and fandom in a way that ve- he was one of the first to really come around and embrace it. You know, like after all the success, you know, of course Harrison Ford didn't, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher was always pretty open about it. there was a time in there where she was a little bit, you know, distance herself from it and everything. Mark Hamill did, you know, all of these people kind of did, but, but Peter Mayhew along with like a David Prowse were some of the first people to really just embrace it and run with it and Peter especially became just such a great ambassador uh to fans and I want to if it'll come up on my computer I want to read something this was what was put out by his family today um it says to him Star Wars meant the Star Wars family meant so much more uh than just a role in a film the relationships that began then grew into the friends and families he would love for decades to come as the films released and became more well-known, he had his eyes open to the possibilities of what he could achieve with his role in the Star Wars universe. For more than 30 years, Peter traveled all over the world spending his time with fans and friends. He developed lifelong friendships with other cast members and his fans while on the convention circuit, touching the lives of millions. As he realized over the years the impact he could have, he became heavily involved with the 501st Legion, Wounded Warriors, Make-A-Wish, and other non organizations. To this end, he established the Peter Mayhew Foundation, Supporting everything from individuals and families in crisis situations to food and supplies for children of Venezuela during their recent road to freedom. He not only provided funds, but became personally involved with each individual family and cause he supported. As he grew older, he continued to soldier on, as he put it, and was completely in his element around his fans and supporters. He grew great strength from the energy of his family, friends, and the fans he knew and loved. He survived by his wife Angie and three children. His kindness, generosity, and care will live on in the Peter Mayhew Foundation with Angie taking the helm as his voice. So uh Peter Mayhew passed away April thirtieth of twenty nineteen. He was seventy four years old, and it's uh it's it's kind of a sad day for fans everywhere.
1: Lightsaber is up.
2: Yep. Yeah, I
1: got to I got to meet him a few times, but I met him at Star Wars weekends. I posted that picture on my on my Twitter, and it's just so crazy. It seems it's it's I don't even know. I'm like kind of at a loss words because I was expecting to see him again uh, tomorrow,
0: Mm -hmm. actually
1: at Fan Expo in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And um, yep, so that will be interesting. He was going to have a panel and everything that I was going to attend and uh don't know what's happening now so yeah be a little bit different but <sighs> I don't know if you're if your Wookiee roar will work or not
2: <laughs> well let's let's find out shall we this is for him nope
1: <laughs> don't worry it'll work in about three minutes that's right when exactly. it's passed
2: yeah it's when cool. we've moved on to something else yeah um so, yeah, so Peter Mayhew will be missed, greatly missed um, by all of us. Like, you know, like I say, for, for me, it, it's part of childhood, you know, mm-hmm. um, huge, huge part of childhood. I don't I don't know. There there is a there has been a, a slight movement in fandom to kind of look at people like me who've been around for 40 some odd years you know, with the Star Wars fandom and say, "You know, hey, you guys are kind of old buddy duddies, but you know when it comes to something like this, this is like it was huge. Star Wars was huge, huge i can't i can never I don't know that people realize just how big these things were in the lives of some of us who were who were kids and waiting for these movies to come out and watching droids and ewoks on Saturday mornings, and you know just got super excited that there was an ewok movie coming on t v and you know every little thing and and you just and then as and then, as it began to come back around, like just seeing things like I, I will I will never forget the day I saw heir to the Empire on a bookshelf, you know in a bookstore, just thinking, oh my gosh what is what in the world, what is happening and and just how much this franchise meant to me growing up and as a child, and chewy being part of that, a huge part of that, you know, chewie having always it was he was the perfect um." Well, he was a perfect friend, you know, and he was the perfect comic relief in different times and everything. And and one of my favorite parts in Star Wars was always when uh, Han would say, you know, well, droids don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookies are known to do that. And and Chewie just sits back and kind of just runs his hands through his hair, you know, and puts his head, puts his hands behind his head, like, yeah, that's right. Let me win, you know, let the Wookiee win. <laughs> and. um and I remember the first time I did see Peter Mayhew. I was at um, Celebration Three in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and um, and I'd never seen him in person. And when and and at the opening ceremonies, they were just kind of introducing the various people that would be in the autograph hall and the and the celebrities and everything, and they were bringing most of them up on stage. And they bring out Peter Mayhew, and he comes just walking across stage, and he's got that gait, like he looked like Chewbacca without the suit on. Like it was amazing, you know? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, look at that. Like there's no one that can be him. And Jonas has done a great job and has, has really, you know, taken the reins, I think, well, and, um, you know, we, and, and so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, he'll be missed. We'll say that mm-hmm. he is missed.
1: Ah, <clears throat> oh, all then. So, I didn't get to talk to you about In Game. I know you had your big thing on Monday. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know like so anybody who is watching if you haven't seen In Game, we're not going to spoil it. I just want to know like your favorite like part maybe or a quote or something. Oh,
2: <coughs> wow. Um I think I, my, have, I think my mind. favorite part is everybody's favorite part. Um the, So
1: we might spoil a couple things.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, the Mjolnir part I think is my favorite part. The Meow, meow part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I I I almost came out of my seat cheering when that happened. You know, there was there was a moment when they're in New York, and <laughs> and and the cap fight happens. Mm, yeah. Um, I just th- at that moment in time, I looked at my wife and I'm like, this is. This is more than I ever dreamed it could be, you know. And and the whole thing I loved because of the structure of the film was so different from Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Infinity War was a war. It was, it was like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom. it was just it was action beat after action beat after action beat, you know? And and it left you with this gut punch. And and then Endgame comes along and it starts off with the gut punch of Hawkeye's family. And it just goes from there into this story that builds into this incredible, an incredible science. They they earned the right to tell a, such a comic booky, science fictiony story after you know ten, eleven years of Marvel storytelling. They earned the right to come and do something this big and this out there because they did everything else so right, and and so this movie doesn't have the. The constant like action beat, action beat, action beat. There's a lot of exposition. There's a lot of leeway into what actually happens. But man, the minute the real action starts, and I'm talking about those missiles hit the Avengers compound, from that point forward, that last hour is just almost more than you can stand. But it all works so well. And it was funny and it was heartbreaking and it was it was it was thrilling and it was exciting. It was ev it was the perfect end to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I know there's more coming. I get that. But if this were the end, you know, if they said, "All right, well we're going to take a break from doing Marvel movies for a while." I'd be like, "Of course you are." <laughs> you know, the, I I would expect you to. This is the this is the end of it, you know. And it was and it was perfect, I think.
0: Mhm.
1: Yeah, I so I think it was just so emotional and I was in shock when I came out of it the first time. I was like, "Infinity War was better." And then I talked through it to process it. It was Mm -hmm. kind of like how I felt at the end of The Last Jedi where I was like, huh? (laughs) And then I processed it, and I was like, oh. And then I saw it the second time, and I was like, okay, this is way better than Infinity War. And I've seen it twice now. It's cool. Uh, But I think my favorite part is when Spider-Man and tony start get back together
0: mm.
1: and that whole little conversation that was hilarious yeah. also as much as i it bothers me and it does it bothers me greatly uh fat thor i just like I, <laughs> when it happened i was like no
2: we don't call him fat thor we call him lebowski thor <laughs> and well, and and let me tell you Irish. And Adam Bray and myself, were super excited. When we finally do Golcon, we're going to have a day kind of like Ahsoka Lives Day where they all do the picture of Ahsoka on the steps. <laughs> and it's going to be Lebowski Thor Day. And everyone's going to cosplay as Lebowski Thor. And we're going to get out and take a big picture of all the Lebowski Thors. Oh, my gosh.
1: Because
2: it's finally a, a cosplay we can all do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so the next thing I want to talk to you about briefly by the way is Penguins, Disney Nature's Penguins. I saw it opening day.
2: Oh my god, there's penguins, there's penguins on my body. my
1: body. I saw it opening day and oh, it was so great to see Steve the penguin and his <laughs> journey. It was awesome. It does get a little um little emotional in a couple of points and you get a little scared, but oh. it all turns out okay. It all turns out okay. Uh, there's a part where he gets beat up by a baby emperor penguin.
2: (laughs) What? (laughs) Steve gets beat up?
1: (laughs) Kind of. So, Steve is an Adelie penguin. He's trying to find the Adelie penguin roost. And he gets kind of lost because he gets separated from everybody and he ends up where all the emperor penguins are. And the emperor penguins have gotten there earlier and they already had their babies. Mm -hmm. And so... (laughs) There's a baby, which of course they're bigger than him because the Adelias are smaller, and he's trying to the the narration. He's like trying to ask for directions, and the baby penguin like smacks him with his with his oh, wing. Wow. It's really funny. And he was like the narration's great, because he's like I'm getting beat up by a baby.
2: I mean, I'm getting <laughs> beat. oh so is it Steve actually doing the narration for himself?
1: Well every now and then like the guy That's the funny. guy goes into Steve's voice where he's like, <laughs> Oh, I'm getting beat up by a baby. I'm just asking for a direction. Stop, stop.
2: <laughs> Who who's narrating it?
1: Um Ed Helms, I believe.
2: Oh wow, okay.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. But it's it, it was good, I enjoyed it If it's still out around you, go see it uh, Yeah, good stuff That's
2: good, alright Well, we've got a couple of emails we want to get to So let's, uh, let's do that, how about that?
0: When you mail a letter You can send it anywhere On foot, by truck, by aeroplane The postman gets it there So write a letter to a friend Maybe she'll write you no matter what, you always know, the mail must go through.
1: We need those letters.
2: From General Lee, dear son, we're waiting for the hunts at the pass. It would mean a lot if you'd come and back us up.
1: Oh, Can
0: you read this? There's no pictures. Then I'll put that flea in a box, and then I'll put that box inside of another box, and then I'll mail that box to myself, and when it arrives, I'll smash
1: it with hammer. A- hey, watch you Whoa. Ooh.
2: Mail, mail time. Not Mail time. watch. Yeah.
1: All right, so I'm gonna read this first-ish one.
2: Oh, good deal. It's
1: kind of long, so I'm gonna pick some stuff out of here. Okay. It says hi, Steve and Teresa. I'm a 14-year-old girl from Norway. Wow. Welcome that's awesome. Norway! Hooray! I just wanted to say that I love your podcast, Schwinnemer.
2: Schwinnemer. <laughs> and She said, "I don't know how to spell that." That's classic Schwinnemer. <laughs> I wonder how Schwinnemer's doing. I
1: want me, too. Swenever, let
2: us hear from you. How you doing?
1: Most other Disney podcasts are mostly focused on the parks, which I don't hate. But as someone who has never been to a Disney park, but I want to, it is more interesting to listen to podcasts about the actual films. And I also love that you guys are adults who are still obsessed with Disney like me. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Cool to see that there are fellow Disney fans out there. Even though I feel like Disney is more accepted in the U.S. because of the parks, many people in Norway think it's childish just for kids. But I don't. Uh, Let's see. I know that I came here a little late. I just started to listen to a few different Disney podcasts, and now I'm obsessed. The first episode I saw of Disney Vault Talk was the Top Ten Disney Songs. Then I started listening from the start, and I am now at the Three Caballeros. Wow, pretty good.
2: With three caballeros, three gay caballeros, they say we are birds of a Uh. (laughs) feather. I ran out of air. (laughs) I didn't. I did not breathe properly.
1: <laughs> I would love to see an underrated Disney animated movies episode in the future. That's Ooh, a good idea. Yeah. Would also like to see episodes on the animated sequels. I know not all of them are good, but there are some hidden gems like Peter Pan Two, Cinderella Three, and Lion King Two. I,
2: Here are my. What? I think we've tried to talk about the sequels in the past when there are some. Um, yeah. So as you yeah. as you move along, you'll hear us talk about some of those. Uh, Lion King 1 and a half, I think, is greater than Lion King 2, by the way.
1: I, Yeah, 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 I would agree. Here is my top ten Disney classics at the moment. It changes a lot, and it's so hard to pick. I love them all, but I tried to choose. So going from ten to one. Lady and the Tramp, Princess and the Frog, Moana, Aladdin, Pocahontas, The Emperor's New Groove, Beauty and the Beast, Hercules, Mulan, and Tangled. My favorite princesses are Rapunzel, Belle, and Mulan. And my favorite villain is Hades. To infinity and geek on. And I don't know how to say her name. It's G-U-R-O, but I'm assuming it's Norwegian. So I don't know if that's... Euro? Gero? Mm. I don't know. But hi, thank you for emailing us back in May of 2018.
2: Well, let's see what we've got here. Hold on now. <laughs> how to pronounce nor okay this is NorwegianHowToPronounce.com. to pronounce
1: dot com oh gosh there's norwegian how to pronounce dot com
2: guru. guru 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 that's a terrible guru. um guru that's a that's a terrible audio there on that on that thing uh mm. pronounce names.com. Guru. Guru. It's a female. It's a, I, the origin is actually Irish. Hmm. Hmm.
1: All right. Stuffy is all yours because he sent several different emails. Oh yeah? So we're it's the Stuffity Thread.
2: Okay, the Stuffity Thread. Hi, Stephen Trees. Now Stuffy, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not visited Stuffity's YouTube channel. He's the amazingest,
1: amazingest person. <clears throat>
2: Mm-hmm.
1: when he, it comes to video making.
2: <laughs> he says, I've been listening somewhere or since around somewhere around the Cinderella Rail episode. Not sure if it was my first, but somewhere around there. I immediately went back to Snow White and made my way through all the previous episodes and have been listening ever since, jumping into the Mixler chat whenever possible. This is simply my top absolute favorite podcast ever. Well, thank you, Stephanie. I
1: wonder if that's changed, because this was back in July of 2018.
2: Okay. Uh, I realize I've never sent an email in the show outside of making your Pixar Easter eggs bumper. So here's a bunch of random things for you. Sorry about the link. First of all, Teresa, I also suffer from crayon dyslexia. I tend to pronounce crayon as crown. But you're Australian, so we give you a pass on that stuffity. When people say it normally in a sentence, that's how it sounds to me, particularly with a lazy Aussie accent. Couple that with the fact that for some reason I just never noticed how it was spelled when I was a kid, and here I am. My wife still makes fun of me when I'm talking to the kids and she hears me slow down and overemphasize emphasize the two syllable things, sayings like, make sure you put your crayons away when you're done. Anyway, something that I never wrote in about, but always intended to. In The Rescuers Down Under, you stated the character of the koala was wrong because it was super grumpy and should have been warm and cuddly. I'm here today to tell you that this is almost the only thing the movie was accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will spare you my list of other glaring inaccuracies for the rest of the film, but don't get me wrong, I love this movie. I also want to let you know I'm currently scouring through every episode of the show, listening to the mailbag segments, and gathering together everyone's top ten list. Wow! Into a super mega awesome spreadsheet. Soon I'll be able to give the top tens the collective consciousness of the Vaulties. That is... Stephanie, that's above and beyond. Um, Oh, and
1: he has a... I have the link. Oh...
2: And he goes on to say, all right, he says, uh, you'll have a link at some time in the future, which we've got. Um, he says, I'm going, I was going to request, request some encouragement to my fellow listeners to send in their list if they haven't done so already. Top 10 animated canon films. Top 10 songs from animated canon films. Rule one, you can't choose more than one song from the same film. And rule two, it has to be in the film itself, not, for example, in the end credits. Top 10 Disney TV shows. Top 10 live action films. Okay. Also, I forgot, in the Getting Pumped for Pixar episode, you said that you would have a cry counter on each episode for each time Pixar makes you cry. May I request a mental recap of cry counts for Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and Toy Story 2, and then to make a thing, make it a thing from Monsters, Inc. onward. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will we'll say this. The,
1: we'll have to go uh, back.
2: Well, let me go ahead and say this. I did not cry in Toy Story, A Bug's Life, or Toy Story 2. I do get choked up at Monsters, Inc. when Boo... I would agree. When when he gets back to Boo.
1: Yeah, I'm at the same. Toy Story, no. A Bug's Life, no. Toy Story 2... At least one time. Once. And Monsters, Inc. once. Yeah.
2: And so, now... (laughs) We get into Mixler stuff. As he says, okay, just to make this longer, I'm listening to the Peter Pan episode, and I don't remember this, but you talk about a form that you were sent to let people actually fill out their top list and send it to you. This was followed by a response to Daniel in the chat who said it's called a spreadsheet, with Steve saying, no, Daniel, he has an actual program set up where you just click and move on. Get with the program. This is 2015. <laughs> Then he says, okay, this is the final email on the thread. That was four months ago, but I've gotten one more for you after listening to the Monsters, Inc. episode. After talking about having a cry counter, your discussion became whether Pixar made you cry, verklimped, or just emotional. I propose you call it the tearful ticker. It doesn't have to make you cry, but if you became for I'm getting that's a That is a point on the tearful ticker and a point for Pixar. On the subject of bumpers, okay. I made that Easter eggs bumper. It was not Rob Dellinger. Don't take that away from me. Also, you totally played it on the previous episode. Anyway, that made me laugh. Also, the short films bumper that you were puzzled by was made by Jacob Roth. And he sped it up after Steve openly mocked him in front of the entire internet. (laughs) Don't read that in an angry voice. (laughs) I thought it was pretty funny. Finally, just because you guys have forgotten the outro that you came up with on Toy Story episode, it goes, I'm Steve, I'm Teresa, to infinity, and I say and beyond. But you know what I like? I like what um, what Guru did in To Infinity and Geek On. We can do that. Yeah, like you say To Infinity and I say Geek On. Let's practice. Okay. I'm Steve.
1: And I'm Teresa. To Infinity.
2: And Geek On. Yep, I works. like it, ch- yeah. I like I'll it. I'll change the end. All you know? right.
1: I'd already, because I read this, I changed, I put our ending on there. Mm-hmm. So all I have to do is Fantastic. type, punch, buttons. Okay,
2: done. I like it. All right. Thank you, Stephanie, for all that. Stephanie also has provided for me on the Big Honkin' Show a spreadsheet that allows me to log my times on all the segments because I have to hit times to upload it so that it'll do right on the radio because it, it's a show that actually goes on the radio. Mm-hmm. And um and so he he made this spreadsheet that I plug in the times and automatically does all the time math for me that I need to. And it has become an invaluable tool for me. Like, Stuffity is the unofficial, like, he, I don't know what, I don't know what I'd call his role for the Golaverse.
1: Producer? He
2: is a producer of some sort, yeah. He's definitely a producer of some sort.
1: All right, so the last email we have here, and then we're going to be, like, super caught up, uh, is Lucas. He said, hi, Steve and Teresa. I've been listening to your show since fall of 2017. He emailed us in 2019. Okay. This year, hooray. And I just reached Hunchback of Notre Dame. Ooh, that, that hits a chord right now. Mm. And I thought I would finally send you an email. I didn't have that many Disney movies as a child. I watched Robin Hood, Lion King, Jungle Book 2, and Tarzan a lot, and my parents recorded The Hunchback of Notre Dame when it aired on TV once. That movie was a favorite of mine when I was a little kid, but now that I'm older, I watched it again for the first time in at least a decade, and it was an experience both nostalgic and disturbing. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, I still like the movie. But there is, much, there is so much there that I just can't get behind based on the episode. I think you'll agree. Anyway, I love Disney Vault Talk, and you guys have really reawakened my love for Disney. The majority of the movies I'm watching for the first time, and in the last year, I've watched all seven seasons of Once Upon a Time. Wow. I love that show. There's so much depressing content today, so happy endings are so refreshing and make me so happy. Thank you. Greetings from Sweden.
2: Oh, Sweden.
0: So bork, bork,
1: he, bork. He emails us again and he says, since my last email, I've rushed through the movies and the podcast really quickly. I'm about to watch Chicken Little now. Wow, there are some fantastic movies in there that I have never seen before. I mean, like, top five movies, particularly Mulan, Emperor's New Groove, and Lilo and Stitch. When I've gone through all the movies, I will try to put together a top ten list for you. It will not be easy, but these three will be definitely be on there. Thank you again for your amazing work on Disney Vault Talk. It's one of my favorite podcasts and by far the most magical Thank you, Lucas. All right.
2: I want to address, he, 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 uh, you edited it, and, and that's fine, but I want to address what he has to say about <laughs> the hunchback. Because he says, as a Christian, he says, how come they paint Esmeralda, Esmeralda with good Christian values, but all the, praying, all the people praying in Notre Dame as selfish brats? Um, I think the idea is the overly religious leadership and their judgmental attitude toward those that they see as less than. Yes. Meanwhile, I would agree with that. Meanwhile, what was the bad guy's name? Frollo. Frollo. He is just hypocritical in everything. Like he totally has a thing for Esmeralda. Let's uh, not don't miss yeah. that. And and it is a disturbing movie and it, you know, it's not very comfortable, but it's hard like I that was a tough undertaking for Disney. And I'm not trying to take up for the movie at all. I I remember kind of like, "Eh, it's not one of my it is not one of my favorites." Um, but you know, that was a that was a weird story for them to tackle you know the hunchback of Notre Dame I mean that's not like hey this is a great children's story <laughs> you know <laughs> this is great for kids kids love the hunchback story um, so and they there was you know they had to tackle a lot of adult themes in there but I think the idea was not to um, to make all the people praying look like well they're just evil people I think the idea and, and as a Christian I think you can appreciate this because i too am a christian um is that there is an attitude of legalism and 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 religious hypocrisy that is that is really what's being shown there and um and so i don't know they painted esmeralda with christian values but i think they just said here's a nice person is really yeah. the idea behind it and and we could get into the theology of of all that you know on a different show that's for a different show of course but i just wanted to address it lucas because i i see where you're coming from but i also think that you know the the idea is to you can you know what someone believes not by what they say but how they actually live and so what you see in all those people they show are are not they say they believe one thing, but how they live doesn't reflect what they say they believe. And I think that's the point you're supposed to take away from that. A Disney Watch!
0: Hey, watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch yourself! Oh, who goes there? Watch it! Watch, watch it! Watch it! Watch out my butt. Disney Watch!
2: So we've done an obituary and a Bible study on this episode. <laughs> <That's so weird. laughs> Big news Disney Watch, Teresa. Disney Plus coming this fall.
1: Yeah. And this is all we have in Disney Watch, because there's a lot to kind of unpack here. I'm losing
2: Disney you. Disney
1: Plus will arrive on the newest for our Oh no. I'm
2: losing you, Teresa. Therese is gone.
1: Hello? My internet's being weird. All right, you're back. I am, but my internet's been being goofy. Okay. Am I good?
2: Yeah, you were saying there's just a lot to unpack.
1: Yes. Okay, so Disney Plus launches in the U.S. on November 12th, and we don't have any dates for any other country other than the United States, so I can't help you if you don't live in the U.S. Sorry. Mm. (laughs) Uh, The timing is pretty strategic because it's going to allow them to piggyback on the marketing for big films coming out. Frozen Two hits theaters on the twenty second, and then you have Episode Nine on December twentieth. So it's kind of like right in line. It's right there. Hmm. I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, I can. Because I'm sorry. Here's no,
2: I totally hear you. You you haven't. You haven't. You haven't broken up at all. You can't hear me right now. I got distracted, and now we've lost Teresa completely. Mm. All right, so w- it, what what you have going on is, as she said, you've got the piggybacking off of the Frozen 2 on November 22nd and Star Wars Episode nine on December 20th. And so right in there, all of this stuff kind of hitting at the same time is just a really big, especially when it comes to the uh, to the shareholders and that sort of thing, it is a great um fourth quarter uh not and i don't mean this is a football analogy but it's a great fourth business quarter kind of last blitz to really drive home some profits and that sort of thing um because you're talking about frozen 2 is probably going to be huge but also when you when, when it comes right down to star wars we know star wars is going to be huge uh I can't see why it wouldn't. Well, I do know why it wouldn't be, but we won't litigate that here. Um, so, and, and then the model apparently from Netflix is that the last couple of months of the year is when they get their biggest viewership. Um, so I don't, I don't know. You know, I know that this year they're releasing stranger things three in the summer, but you know, last year it was kind of in the fall, late fall around Halloween, a little after Halloween kind of deal. And, um, or season two, I should say, and I think the same with season one was kind of later in the year, but it's um, you know, that it's starting, of course, in the states. Uh, I don't know if it's just, yeah, just in the U.S. or if it's going to be North America, but they're going to widen globally. Uh, they're going to have a rollout over the next two years, which is um, you know, honestly, it's reminiscent of what the WWE Network did. Uh, they started out and did that. Uh, Teresa, you back with us? Goofy Skype. Yeah, are you back with us? Yeah. Okay, we heard everything you said, and then you couldn't hear me, oh. and so and so I've just kind of responded to that, talking about how you know fourth quarter blitz for uh, as far as the fiscal year goes for mm. for Disney with this, the model they're following is that Netflix model where they seem to have the biggest viewership at the end of the year, and uh, and that they will be rolling this out globally over the course of two years, which is kind of what the WWE Network did with theirs it, it launched in the US and then they they begin to trickle out over uh, around the globe and um you know so um yes. so there there we go $7 a month yes. or you can do an annual subscription at $70 for a year
1: Dude I'm just going to buy it for I just just take my 70 bucks now <laughs> I'm not it's, canceling it
2: Yeah it's it's interesting now they're saying that's just an initial fee it's a, it's an initial price, I should say. And we can expect that probably to go up. Mm-hmm. I, I would say, like, if you go ahead and get on the year, of course, that's going to sustain you for the year. But I would expect the actual price maybe to go up within six to nine months of the initial month. I would, month.
1: too, as they add more content. And then also, they may bundle it as a Disney Plus plan along with Hulu and ESPN and oh, yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. So, or you might get a discount or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's going to be on, of course, it'll be streaming on computers and tablets and that sort of thing. Um, they, they've talked about Roku and PlayStation 4 on, on, the, on, on their networks. But they, the presentation slides had, like, Chromecast and Apple TV and Amazon Fire. You know, but they haven't actually said, hey, this is... But I think it's safe to assume that the app will be available on those things.
1: Yeah, I think so, too.
2: I don't, I, especially Apple TV. I don't think Disney can roll out something like this and it not be on Apple TV from day one.
1: I don't think so either. They, they're going to have to. I've also heard that it is going to be on the Nintendo Switch okay. as well, which right. is kind of cool. And I do have one of those, so mm-hmm. that will be awesome. Uh, so, how will this affect Disney stuff that is on Netflix? So, most Disney stuff will disappear as of late 2019. And let's see, since 2019, you know, Netflix has been the first place to watch Disney movies Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. they become digital. Um, The top two movies of 2017 were Disney films, uh, and the top three for 2016 and 2018 for Netflix were Disney films. But those are going to be going away. So that means Captain Marvel will be the first movie Disney releases, Disney theatrical release that will be... Not on Netflix. It will be on Disney+. And Mary Poppins Returns will be the final film that will make its way to Netflix.
2: Yeah, I... um, that Yeah, so... So Mary Poppins Returns will be the last one and Captain Marvel will be the first one that doesn't. Yeah. But they've also canceled all of their Marvel shows. Mm -hmm. They use the word canceled and I don't know what kind of contracts and that sort of thing are with those, but I imagine... Some of these things may actually end up showing up further seasons on Disney Plus, particularly like Daredevil. That, that third season of Daredevil, especially, was so well received by fans and everything. I think that they were like, "All right, we're looking for, we're looking forward to more." Now that we're out of the whole ninja um, stuff,
1: right? So it may push to it may push to Disney Plus, but they did say in this article I got from CNET that their original deal could restrict them until 2020. So. You know, that's not too bad. And then, let's see, let's see, let's see. Okay, so day one content. All right. All right, this so is this important. is what's
2: going to be available on day one. The launch happens, and this is what will be there.
1: Yes, okay. and um, there's going to be, I, we can't possibly talk about everything, so we're going to kind of shorten it up, hit the big things. Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, And then from day one, it will have, which this is so exciting, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, as well as The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Okay. That's awesome. All the Pixar movies except Toy Story 4, because it will have just come out so five months before, so we'll have to wait for it, but it will be on there when it gets there. All the Pixar shorts and the 13 movies from the signature collection of Disney classics. Now what what is... are those movies, yeah.
2: do you I <laughs> sure do, Teresa. <laughs>
1: I knew you were going to ask me, so I haven't pulled up. Snow White, Beauty and the Beast, Pinocchio, Bambi, Lion King, Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, The Rescuers, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Fantasia slash Fantasia 2000, and Mulan. There is one other that's considered in the signature collection, but it will not be released on Disney Plus ever. Song of the South. Wow. So they've already said it will not be on there, and they also may be editing like Dumbo that has that crow sequence. Yeah. Uh, and some things like that. But, um, yeah. you know, okay. Alright, so... And that's day one, just films. Okay, that's not talking TV shows or anything like that. So let me see if I can get there. Okay, television highlights that are available at launch. Boy Meets World. Excited about that one. The original DuckTales and the new DuckTales. Goof Troop. Kim Possible, uh, Malcolm in the Middle, The Guardians of the Galaxy animated series, Ultimate Spider-Man, Mickey mm. and the Roadster Racers, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Star Wars Rebels, uh, One Strange Rock, which is actually in National Geographic because National Geographic is a part of all of this. So One Strange Rock, which is really good. All of the, the episodes of The Simpsons.
2: Wow, The Simpsons?
1: Yes, because of 20th Century Fox. Oh, So they have that. Uh, The Dog Whisperer with Cesar Millan. So there's a bunch of stuff there. Now, there are some other films that will be available at launch that they didn't mention within the 13 signature classics, but, like, you know, eventually. And it says at launch, but I'm kind of confused, but, like, The Parent Trap, the original Parent Trap, uh, Princess Diaries... Uh, the three Cavallettos is on this list as well. So this list is from CNET and they keep updating it. Mm-hmm. So I just like, there's a lot of stuff here. Let's just put it this way. All of the big ones are going to be in there. Right. Frozen. Probably honey. I shrunk the kids, high school musical, Mary Poppins, the original one, the pirates movies, uh, all of that stuff. Now there will be original content as well. That comes. So. Let's see, where is that? Uh, so live action original shows, there will be a high school musical series, The Mandalorian. The diary of a female president, which is interesting. That will come in year one. Uh, I did have all these pulled up at one point, so I can't tell you all of the background, but I think the diary of a female president follows a, it's a, it's a almost like documentary series. It follows a student, a girl that's like in Cuba, maybe uh loki and will be on the service on year two falcon and the winter soldier should premiere in year one year two is when we'll get the casting andor series and the wandavision series
0: mm-hmm.
1: now this one i'm really excited about that comes at launch it's called forky asks a question
2: forky ask a question
1: asks a question forky is the new character from toy story 4
0: Oh, okay.
1: And he's going to ask some questions like what is love? What is time? What is cheese? Like it's going to be shorts. Little shorts. Uh let's see. Monsters at Work will be out in Year 1 as well as the Clone Wars, but mm-hmm. if you were excited for the Clone Wars on launch day, it's not on there on launch day. It well, will be there during Year 1, just not at launch. But, now the, I, like I think you
2: you like talking course. about the new season or like the whole new season? Okay. But the series Uh, will be there, maybe.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they did take it off Netflix, so... Right. Maybe. I think you'll like this one that's coming in year one, Marvel's What If. Marvel Studios' first animated series taking inspiration from the comic books of the same name. Mm -hmm. Each episode will explore a pivotal moment from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and turn it on its head, leading the audience into uncharted territory. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. What If is... My cousin loved What If back when we were collecting comics together and reading comics, and what if has some great stories in there, and if they're able to actually have full access to, you know, the whole Marvel category of characters, which they do, I think, because of the animated stuff. Um, I think the animated it, it, it's just going to be a really cool kind of concept because there's some great stories that can be told that don't really affect the Marvel universe, don't really affect anything except just like, look, what if this happened? You know, what if, what if Venom actually did take? What if Spider-Man never got rid of Venom? You know, what if? Um, What if Dr. Doom kept the Beyonders power after Secret Wars? What if the Fantastic Four all had different powers? Those kinds of stories were told in the pages of What If. And sometimes they were tragic. Sometimes they were funny. Sometimes they were very thought-provoking. It was always an interesting thing.
1: Hmm. And then there's some documentaries. I'm excited for whatever... They haven't titled it yet, but a Walt Disney Imagineering documentary. I'm excited for The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Oh. The making of Frozen 2, the making of Animal Kingdom, the park, uh, iconic art of movies. the ink. There's a show called Ink and Paint that will be out in year two that's looking at the ink and paint process of film. So that's going to be really neat. And then an original film I'm excited for is Lady and the Tramp, which mm. will be available at launch. This is live action Lady and the Tramp. Oh, wow. So. There's a lot. There's live action lot like here. live action or live There's action no like no reason to watch anything
2: else anymore. <laughs> live action, Lady and Tramp, like live action or live <laughs> action? Anyway. Or live action like Lion King live action? Did I lose you Teresa again? I think we lost Teresa again. We well, saw Teresa? Teresa? Teresa. is gone. Just keep potting. Just keep potting. We're doing our best here. Um, so my question is, is it actual live action or is it, um, let's see, I'm actually getting to do this. Uh, the call ended unexpectedly. Send that there to them. And uh, <laughs> And... <clears throat> we saw it we saw a new trailer for the lion king the other night at our end game our second end game uh showing and it was good um but it was good because of how much i love the lion king i still say it's not a live action show teresa you with us now yep uh, the question i ask is lady and the tramp live action live action or is it lion king live action
1: I think it's going to be Jungle Book live action because you okay. actually have people. Oh, that's true, yeah. where Lion King, you don't. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And God dang Lion King, because I'm going to see this movie so many times in the theater, but every time I watch that trailer, I cry.
2: Well, have you seen the newer one that's out? Yes. Yeah. It's even worse. It was that. We saw that one at Endgame, and yes. I hadn't I hadn't seen it at that point, and And I kind of came to this conclusion I think the only reason like it kind of really gave me the feels is because of my nostalgia for the actual movie The Lion King. You know what I mean? Like I I still look at it and I can't get out of my head this isn't live action. This is just a different animated version of The Lion King. They should have just left they should have done what they're doing and just kept the original cast.
0: <laughs> you know? Uh, so, uh,
1: it'll be good. It'll be yeah. good. But yeah, so basically Disney Plus is going to be amazing.
2: Yes. And I yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it'll be really cool. Um well, let's get into some Nemo talk. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Oh. <laughs> There's a trailer coming. Here
0: it goes. All right, Dory. Let's go over this one more time. We know your memory's not the best.
1: Yep. Can't remember diddly. I know. Can't remember squat. That's right. Diddly squat. Diddly
0: squat. Now, up, Gory, over here. Now, listen to me. We need to ask for directions. Uh
1: Uh-huh, directions. You
0: gotta be low-key.
1: Low-key. Because fish
0: in this part of the reef, very skittish. Skittish. All right? You got that? Uh Uh-huh. You're sure? Yeah. You don't remember a word, do you?
1: Nope. Nothing in my noggin.
0: (sighs) Okay. Here's a brand-new idea. You stay right here, swim in a little circle, forget to yourself. I'll be right back. I'm going to ask for directions. My friend and I need to get to the East Australian current. Ah, oh, sir, the EAC. Yeah. Oh. It's in that direction. What you wanna do is follow <laughs> out. Oh, no, 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 no.
1: There's another one! There's another one! <laughs> oh, that's oh. so much fun! Ooh. They just move! <laughs> oh. oh! I'm sorry, did you wanna turn? Could a bigger fish swallow me? I will voluntarily go on
0: a hook. Whoa! hey! <laughs> was it
2: something I said? And that was how we were introduced to Finding Nemo, first of all, with that trailer, that little scene there from from the show. It's uh, Finding Nemo on this episode of Disney Vault Talk, and here's Teresa with some history. No. Nope, no. short films. We're going to talk about okay. the short, short film that came short before
0: short it, right? Short yep. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films, oh, short films, short films,
2: short films. Back to Stephen Teresa with some information on
0: short films.
2: Thank you, Roth in Wyoming, for that amazing bumper. <laughs> After reading stuff at Easy Mail, this is <laughs> really funny. This is the original one. Short films.
1: Short
2: films.
0: Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films. Short films.
1: Short films. Short films.
2: Short films. Short films. Short
1: films. Short films. Short
0: films.
2: Short films. Back to Steven Teresa with some information on short films. I don't think my problem was with the structure of that particular bumper. I think it was the fact that it's 30 seconds long.
1: <laughs> well, Cam said he's in there.
2: Well, okay, then we're gonna we're gonna start playing thirty seconds because I'm looking, the and the 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 mail talk bumper is thirty eight seconds long. So what? Who am I? Who am I to complain about anything?
1: All right. So the short film with Finding Nemo was Knick Knack. Do you remember Knick Knack?
2: I don't at all, and I and I and I'm sorry to say I haven't watched Knick Knack.
1: So, Nick, Nick came out in 1989 originally. This is the one where it's the snowman that's inside of the snow globe, and he wants to get out because everybody else, like all the other desk toys and stuff, are having like a summer-themed party, all the other souvenirs, but he like can't get out of his dome, and he's trying to like flip it over and figure out how he can get out of it. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Uh, so, he wants to get out, and the glass dome that surrounds him keeps him from doing that. And basically that's the whole thing. And so it was inspired by Tom and Jerry and Looney Tunes and John Laster collected snow globes and souvenirs from distant places. So a lot of those made their way into it and kind of inspired this whole thing. And then the singer Bobby McFerrin improvised the acapella vocal jazz soundtrack to the film while watching a rough cut, and it was eventually left in there and unchanged. And he did the score for free out of a belief that the film was just cool to be involved with. And then Gary Rydstrom from Lucasfilm did all the sound effects. Oh, wow. Pretty good. But mm. it's funny. It's a cute one. little snowman inside his snow globe, and he wants to just be friends with everybody else. <laughs>
2: All right, so now here's Teresa with some history? Yes.
0: I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, I... Uh, yes, I do. As you can see, the pseudo facade was stripped away to reveal a minimalist oh. Rococo design.
1: Note oh, the unusual inverted vault. Rococo design. Rococo design.
2: Rococo design.
1: All right, so Finding Nemo was originally released on May 30th of 2003. The film actually won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, and it was nominated in three more categories, including Best Original Screenplay. Hmm. It became the highest-grossing animated film at the time, and it was the si- second-highest-grossing film of 2003, earning a total of 870 S- Blah, blah. Steve, um, it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> I can't read simple numbers. I'm sorry.
2: I'm looking at, I am I pulled up Knickknack on the YouTube, and I'm watching this little thing real quick while we're sitting here.
1: Oh, uh, Knickknack's cute.
2: Oh, he beats his nose into the glass. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of freaky. All right, let me get down here to the history, and I'll help you out with these all numbers. Right, sorry, right, I'm good. Okay. 871 fall. million worldwide. Yeah. It's
1: the best-selling DVD of all time. Okay, so I went and checked some of these numbers because when I pull some of this information, I don't know how dated it is. I went Clark? and checked it, and it's still true. Really? So, yeah.
2: Finding Best- Nemo is the best-selling DVD of all time. DVD,
1: though. Mm, you can't right. go Blu-ray. Like I understand. DVD. Right. Yes. With over 40 million copies sold as of 2006. Wow. But I did check the numbers, and it is still the best-selling DVD of all time. Yeah. The highest-grossing G-rated film of all time before Toy Story 3. Mm
0: -hmm. Hmm.
1: In in 2008, the American Film Institute (laughs) named it the 10th greatest animated (laughs) film ever made. Uh Uh-oh, what happened in Knickknack?
2: No, I'm laughing because you know what my next question's going to be.
1: What are the other films?
2: Yeah, what what was number
1: one? I did not look that up. Okay. I looked up the other stuff. All right. And then, of course, there was a sequel that was made, Finding Dory. It released on June 17th of 2016. Now, director Andrew Stanton, he kind of was the engineer mastermind behind this movie. Mm -hmm. And it came from several different places. He loved going to the dentist to see the fish tank when he was a kid. And assuming that the fish were from the ocean and he thought that they wanted to go home. So that's like something that comes from his childhood.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: So I have a similar thing to this. I think I've. I think I, uh, have. Have told you this, but when I was a kid, I thought that every human had an ant that was their. Their aunt that was like named after them and it went everywhere they went. So like when I was driving in the car with my mom, there was a little ant car underneath us that had my aunt and my mom's aunt in it.
0: What?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: What you been watching Ant Man and the Wasp when they're riding around in the By the way, Finding Nemo number ten. Do you want to guess what number one is? Frozen. Nope. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs.
1: Oh
2: of course. <laughs> AFI's top ten uh animated films. Number nine. Friends. Okay, go ahead, just do it. Uh, great. Number nine is Cinderella. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh number okay. <laughs> Number eight is the only non Disney film on the list. Oh God, Shrek! You. It is Shrek, yeah. Oh. What you talking about? That's a nice boulder. So, we gonna stay up on that swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles.
0: No,
1: oh
2: my God. <laughs> all that you gotta have for um, number seven It's the tale as old as time. Beauty and the Beast.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Number six. On the the AFI's top 10 animated films of all time Is uh, the only other CGI animated film Toy Story Toy Story, exactly Number 5, Fantasia
1: Okay, yeah, cool
2: Number four, oh my god, there's penguins on my body
1: Lion King The Lion
2: King Number 3 Pinocchio? Nope Uh
1: -uh. Dumbo? Nope,
2: Uh but it is an animal movie
1: 101
2: Dalmatians. Nope, sorry. Not that kind of animal. A wild animal movie. A
1: wild animal movie?
2: hmm
1: Wild animal movie.
2: Wild meaning untamed in the wild. Lilo and Stitch. I'm sorry. That's an alien. <laughs> Bambi. Oh, okay. <laughs> but then number two is the movie that we were not very kind to when we reviewed it back in the day. Pinocchio. Oh. So that's AF- right. that's AFI's top 10 animated films.
1: All right. So in 92, shortly after Andrew Stanton's son was born, he and his family took a trip to Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, which then was called Marine World. After Ooh. seeing the shark tube and various exhibits, he felt the underwater world could really be done beautifully in computer animation. So this mm. is kind of his development in his brain. Right, right. And then in 1997, he took his son for a walk in the park, but realized that he was overprotecting him and lost an opportunity to have a really good father-son experience. So he was Marlin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's where all of it came from. And as he started developing the story, he discovered that clownfish were really colorful and they tend to not come out of an anemone very often. Hey,
2: well done. Well done of saying an anemone.
1: It's an anemone.
2: Right. You did it. You, But I'm just saying to have the article and just before anemone. Amazing. An anemone. An anemone. You did it. You did a, you did a fa- Well done. You did a fantastic job. <laughs> I can't Rrr. say
1: wolf, but I can
2: say that. <laughs> and by the way, for new listeners, wolf is not the sound a dog makes. Wolf <laughs> is that big giant uh, wild dog called the wolf. <laughs> for.
1: And, for a and, 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 No, you and, did it. I'm being dead know, serious. I'm, not, I'm making fun of Nemo. Okay. Because he can't say it. Okay, for a character who has to. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Back it up.
2: Back uh, it up. Back
0: it
1: up. I'm just gonna back
2: it up now. Just backing it up. We're just I'm gonna back dead. it up. You do this. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I lost it. I, I can't do it. I need to, hold on. Here we go. This is the back it up clip from Ant-Man, ladies and gentlemen. Scotty needs us, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing going to stop us. Back it up. Back it up bro. Yeah. yeah. Just back it up. Yeah. Just back
1: it up. Okay. All you going to do is we, we, yep. we just back it up, okay? That's it? Back it up. That's right. Back it up. Yep. Just back it up. No, no, no. Just
2: back it up.
1: Back it up. <laughs> All right, so he discovered that clownfish are colorful. Mm -hmm. They don't tend to come out of an anemone very often. Mm -hmm. And so for a character who has to go on a dangerous journey, a clownfish was kind of perfect for that.
2: And all this is happening in 97. Yeah. Wow.
1: So pre-production of the film began in early 97. He began writing the screenplay during the post-production of A Bug's Life. And as a result, Finding Nemo actually started production with a complete screenplay, which is like basically unheard of. Mm -hmm. So the animators were required to take crash courses in fish biology, oceanography, and they visited aquariums. They went diving in Hawaii. Oh, I'm so sorry, poor animators. Yeah,
2: what a what a harsh way to have to study things.
1: I know. And they received in house lectures from an ichthyologist.
2: Now an ichthyologist, that is someone who studies icky things, correct?
1: That's a f- person who studies fish. Oh, okay. I think ichthy is fish mm. in Latin. Ix, ichth 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 I C T H I think. Mm-hmm. So Pixar's animator for Dory, Jeannie Cruz Santos, integrated the fish movement and human movement and facial expression to make them look and feel more real. So he sort of blended the fish movement with right. human facial expressions, yeah. which is very obvious. And then Stanton, originally in the original form of the movie, planned to use flashbacks to reveal how Coral died. But then he realized by the end of the film, there would be nothing really to reveal. So in order to start the movie, they just put it at the beginning instead.
2: Of course. Also, he knew she had to die because, well, she's an animal's mother.
1: Right. Animals' moms die.
2: In Disney films.
1: In Disney films. All right. So the character of Gil was originally different as well. In a scene that was deleted, he told you, golly. This is why we have to podcast more often because this is my mouth is not doing the working. My mouth is not working right. It is not doing the working. Okay. Hey so- Teresa, it's Bobby <laughs> the Blue Whale here. My mouth
2: don't really work right either. <laughs> I can't stop. It's actually not my mouth so much, but my tongue. <laughs> Everybody listen to the big Honking
1: show. <sighs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. (laughs) See you later. See you later. All right. So Gil tells Nemo that he's from a place called Buck Bay and that he has brothers and sisters in order to impress the young clownfish. Only later to find out Nemo finds out that he was lying by listening to a patient that was reading a children's book that shares the exact same story. Mm. So he originally was going to be a liar. All right, so during its theatrical round finding Nemo grossed I got this 339.7 million dollars in North America. Well done and 559.4 million dollars in other countries for a worldwide total of 940.3 million dollars.
2: Now what Teresa did is she put a point and rounded. She did not actually read the entire totals to you guys. Three hundred
1: thirty-nine thousand 339...
2: 7, 339 mm. 7, <laughs> mm. Just go. On. Move on. Ah. It's the ninth gross... I believe it's the ninth highest grossing animated film.
1: It is, and I double-checked it on box office moho, as Sarah would call it. And it is. It's number nine. Frozen is number one. It is the second highest grossing film of 2003 because Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, was number one. Mm-hmm. Worldwide, it was the highest grossing Pixar film until 2010 when right. Toy Story 3 said, Watch me. Right. <laughs> and then the film sold an estimated 56,337,500 tickets in the US in its initial wow. theatrical run. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. The three D release of the film earned another forty one point one million in North America and thirty one million internationally for a combined total of seventy two point one million, which brings its cumulative worldwide total to whatever that number is. That's the same as the other number because I didn't. Nine hundred forty
2: point three million dollars.
1: Yeah, which is anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot. All right. So Finding Nemo has inspired numerous attractions at Disney parks around the world, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So turtle talk with crush opened at Epcot in 2004. If you've never been to turtle talk with crush, it's a screen show and you sit like in this little auditorium and there, I swear there are people that are these characters and they can see you because they comment on stuff and the crush and talks and there's all the stuff and Dory and they, they talk to you and they have conversations. It's pretty fun. And so, it was at Epcot in 2004, and then it opened at California Adventure in Disneyland in 2005, and then in Hong Kong, Disneyland in 2008, and then Tokyo in 2009. Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage, this actually used to be...
2: 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea?
1: Yes, and it turned into the Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage. It opened in 2007 in Disneyland Park. I've been on it. Hmm. It's extremely claustrophobic, but it's pretty cute. Mm-hmm. The Seas with Nemo and Friends opened at Epcot in 2007. This is a little like ride that you can sit in mm-hmm. and it like, it, like you're in a shell kind of, and mm-hmm, you like, kind mm-hmm. of go through the ride. Okay. Uh, and then Finding Nemo the Musical at Animal Kingdom opened in 2007. And then there's a Crush Coaster. At Walt Disney Studios Park at Disneyland Paris. Hmm.
2: I'm, I'm really, I tell you, it's amazing. Because I'm surprised that Disney hasn't really leaned heavily based on Finding Nemo and Finding Dory into the aquarium business.
1: Well, they do. They have a giant, one of the largest aquariums in the world at Epcot.
2: Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes.
1: It's actually the same pavilion where Turtle Talk with Crush is, and the Coral Reef Restaurant, which the restaurant has uh, windows that go into the the reef,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you can see fish swimming by while you're eating, oh. which kind of morbid because the menu is fish. That's uh, fine. And then also in there is where... Uh, the seas with Nemo and Friends is so it's all of that stuff all together and then there's like a little statue sculpture fountain outside with the seagulls and they go, Boy, 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 boy I
2: I didn't know that. I've never really been to Epcot. I, I walked briskly through it at the uh at the five K I did that time. But I've never really gone to Epcot to hang out. I didn't know that. Yeah, they they had
1: they've the got big... dolphins, they've got sea turtles, they've got all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's and it's really, really huge.
2: Well, I did not know that, and now I feel stupid. But also, because, I say that because any time I go to an aquarium, such as the Georgia Aquarium or They any always other aquarium,
1: have an exhibit. That's Nemo.
2: They always have an exhibit that has, well, I mean, they just have their natural exhibits with the clownfish and the and the anemones and that sort of thing.
1: No, but they put dories in there.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, because they, it's all natural for them to live in that habitat, Teresa. <laughs> They've got the fish in their habitats. And, but the kids, you hear the kids say, there's Nemo, there's Nemo, there's Dory. You know, they, it, this has become ingrained to children that, you know, that's a Dory fish.
1: That's a Dory fish. Yeah.
2: And so, um, so yeah, so I, I figured they'd lean really heavy into that.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they, I know at one point at Epcot, they had an exhibit that was all the fish that do have the same habitat that can live together mm-hmm. that are from the movie, mm-hmm. you know, so all right, it is Easter egg
2: time. Easter egg time. All right, let's see. I forget what this one sounds like.
1: I can't find it anywhere. The other way, dear.
0: Yes, of course. I'm getting warmer any second now.
1: We've looked everywhere. Where are they? I found it. I found it. it. Oh, you
0: found it. Oh, thank oh. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Pixar Easter eggs.
2: Absolutely. Now that Come was, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, no, wait, hold on, hold on, that's it. Uh, f- well, I'm just terrible at this anymore. Uh, so that was Rob Dellinger that does our Easter egg bumper, right? Yeah. mm mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie.
0: No, Is right.
1: still here? <laughs> All right, so there are some constant Easter eggs. So A113, mm-hmm. this is the model code on the camera used by the scuba diver. Okay. John Ratzenberger's appearance is the school of fish, the school of moonfish.
2: We heard that in the uh in in the trailer that we played.
1: Yeah, is he bothering you? <laughs> All right, Pizza Planet is referenced when Gill is explaining his plan to escape from the dentist office a Pizza Planet truck drives by. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, Toy Story. Nemo is frantically looking for a way to escape the fish tank in the dentist office, and you see a Buzz Lightyear action figure lying next to the toy box.
2: To infinity and beyond.
1: For Monsters Inc., the fish mobile found in the dentist office is the same one featured in Boo's room. Oh. Mike can be seen swimming in scuba gear during the end credits.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And Boo's teddy bear can be spotted in the toy chest at the dentist office. Oh. Now, did you know there was an Incredibles Easter egg in this movie? I did not. This thing cut out again.
2: Oh, I did not realize there was an Incredibles Easter egg. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, there's a young boy in the dentist's office, and he's reading a Mr. Incredible comic book. Oh, cool. And then for cars, you can see Luigi. He drives across the street. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, there are some good ones in there. Great.
2: Fun Easter eggs. All right. Now it's time.
1: Fun Facts, dude. Alright, so, not only did they use humans as inspiration for the faces of the fish, but they also used dogs. What? Well, because dogs have more expressive faces than fish.
2: I don't know about that. They did. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, Andrew Stanton recorded all of the dialogue for one character while laying on a couch in his boss's office. Oh, that's fun. Do you know what character it was? No. Crush.
2: Yeah, dude.
1: <laughs> he didn't intend for it to be permanent. Mm. And then it did really well with the screenings, and it ended up being permanent. Okay. All right, so the movie's popularity actually led to population stress for clownfish. This is actually similar I'm sorry? to 101 Dalmatians.
2: Population stress?
1: Yes. Okay, so when, when live-action 101 Dalmatians came out, the demand for Dalmatian dogs, with people that weren't prepared for the personality of Dalmatians mm, dogs, mm-hmm, Dalmatian mm-hmm. dogs went like way up, mm. and then there was a lot of Dalmatians in in pounds, or in shelters, right. whatever. This happened for clownfish. So the excessive capture and sale of the ocean dwellers of clownfish, because people were wanting them so much caused a decline in the organic population of the species and some natural habitat, such as the waters surrounding Vanuatu, saw a 75% drop in clownfish numbers. And so they had to kind of go in environmental organizations and be like, no, 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 no more clownfish for you.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, the movie also led to some misguided fish liberation movements. So, finding Nemo's anti-tank agenda provoked some ecologically-minded people to set their aquatic captives free. Unfortunately, they didn't uh, pay attention to the necessary steps to ensure that their pet fish were being transported to waters that were good for them. Certain marine communities suffered from the introduction of predatory and venomous species in unnatural locales. Hmm. Causing an ecological imbalance.
2: Way to go! Way to go, yeah. you morons!
1: Yeah, guys, you can't just let the fish go. Uh, also, there were some like public statements, or what are those things called? Uh, oh, you know when there's like
2: PSAs.
1: Yes, there we go. PSAs, public service announcement. That not all drains are connected to the oceans, so please don't flush your fish. <laughs> Please. was something else that had to be put out there after this movie really yeah
2: oh my goodness
1: humans well I mean
2: it's like just use some common sense people come on now come on yeah. now come on now
1: come on meow
2: come on now
1: all right so the hey hey hey
2: what? come on now
1: right meow
2: right meow not meow right. come on right, meow, meow.
1: Yeah. And I'll be here. Sorry. Proceed. <laughs> All right. So the anemone mm. was animated using the same technology as they used for Sully's hair. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Pretty that's, cool. That's interesting.
1: And then. That's the a briefs. fun fact. It is a fun fact. Yeah, heck yeah. This is also a fun fact.
2: Tell me another one. The
1: reef is split into three simplified ideas. Tall vertical things, big Mm -hmm. flat horizontal things, Mm -hmm. and round things.
2: Mm -hmm. That seems seems like your typical reef, your standard coral reef.
1: Well, they had to simplify it down for animation purposes and still make it feel realistic. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of put everything into three separate boxes. That
2: makes sense.
1: The turtle kids, their shells are meant to look like Hawaiian shirts.
2: I love a good Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I love a good Hawaiian shirt.
1: The character of Darla is named after Darla Anderson, who was a producer on Monsters, Inc., and I guess she used to play practical jokes and pranks on Andrew Stanton all the time, so Mm -hmm. he named Darla after her. Hmm. Kind (laughs) of (laughs) mean. Saying. All right, and then during the chase scene in the submarine, Bruce the Shark breaks down a door that says, Here's Brucey.
2: Here's Brucey.
0: A
1: That's a
2: reference to The Shining. yep, Here's Johnny, who was making a reference to the Tonight Show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When he's like, Here's Johnny. Oh man, The Shining is not a scary movie. <laughs> I watched it and I'm like, this is really I mean it's creepy and it's weird and it's and it's kind of off putting and unsettling, but it's not scary. Not the movie. It's just weird. And what about that ending? Have you ever watched The Shining? No, I wouldn't. I don't blame you. I wouldn't if I were you. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your time. So, this movie, Teresa. This was to me. It's interesting because in the nineties, and maybe I was just a little bit more disconnected than I was by two thousand three. And in, even in two in the just when this came out, two thousand three. I'm right, right? That's what yes. we said. Um, <clears throat> in two thousand three, I still. Yeah, I mean, you know, I still wasn't podcasting. I wasn't hooked in with a lot of fandom and stuff the way I am now. And, but this movie really felt like, especially among the people who I knew with kids and everything took hold almost in a stronger way than even toy story did, you know, like this was really a, a movement. This was a huge, huge hit. Um, as I recall, for, oh yeah. For kids and everything like this became and i mean it, it immediately you know worked its way different things worked its way into the pop culture just keep swimming just keep swimming fish or food not our fish are friends not food um all kinds of stuff from this movie just really i don't know like i just remember as this kind of really took off that it was just one of those movies that um that became, a uh, for kids at least, became this cultural phenomenon, I think. I think I'm safe saying that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. Like, this movie is so many people's favorite Pixar movie. And it's, it's well worth it. I mean, I love watching Finding Nemo. I have had some problems in the past watching this movie because for some reason the DVD copy I had was not a best-selling DVD. It was like, it would always screw up.
0: <laughs>
1: it was just ridiculous. Hmm. And... So I don't know what was wrong with it, but I eventually just bought it on digital and I love it. It's so funny. Like there's so many things. And I always quote, I'm always like, he touched the butt, uh, <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. Um, or like Mr. Ray. He's like, the sea, the sea, the planet of the sea. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: He, I never, I like, uh,
1: I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: I was like, I kind of want. I know, I'm like, I kind of want to learn that song, but it doesn't really have much of a rhythm to it. It's really strange. I don't
1: know what the words are. Right. Maybe you can find the words. Uh, or when he starts noticing that Nemo and and Marlin are starting to fight, he's like, "Hey guys, let's just be friends." It's like Mr. <laughs> Rachel. It's fine. Uh. And then uh, there's just so many good things, you know. And they're like, hi, Bruce. (laughs) I haven't had fish today for like three days. Uh, Oh, let's name the zones, the zones, the
2: zones. Let's name the zones of the open sea. Mesoplegic. Wait, wait, Send these to me.
1: Send this to me.
2: All the rest are too deep for you and me to see. (laughs) Just the girls this time. Seaweed is cool and seaweed is fun. It makes food with the rays of the sun. The species. Let's name the species that live in the sea. There's Porifera, colintera, Hydrozoa, Schif- This is the one I remember. Skiffizoa, Anthozoa, Tenzophora, Bizar. I can't do it.
1: Oh my god. Well, did you send it to me? Not yet. Come down. Try. Hey, I patience. Would've... No.
2: Patience. All right.
1: P then. Sherman. 32 Wallaby Way Sydney. I remembered it. I remembered
2: it. Escape. That's another one that was a big
1: Escape. Yeah, that's another one that
2: was a big line from the from the movie. You will be
1: my squishy and you will be mine.
2: Now let me ask you this. Um it it's finding Nemo and and because Nemo's name is in the title, you know, everyone assumes, like all the kids are like, Nemo, Nemo this, Nemo that. This movie really isn't about Nemo. No, it's about Marlin. Yeah, it's it's all about finding Nemo, right? And and Marlin and Dory and the adventure they go on. Now, I I do like the ta- the, the the gang in the in the tank, um, you know, Bubbles. Shark and... Ooh, ha, ha.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bubbles and Bloat and Gill and my bubbles, um, my
1: bubbles, bubbles,
2: and, bubbles, and Deb and Flo and you know that there, there were some. Um and Jacques the cleaner I love Jacques
1: oh God he's great so you know and he's then the,
2: but you know that's a great <laughs> <laughs> well and also when they when they is it after the credits or am I am I getting confused with Finding Nemo 2 when you actually see them in their bags still. That's after
1: the credits. Yeah. And the green and they're stuff like is bouncing a, around.
2: And, but there's but there's one time we see them and the green stuff is accumulated on all their bags except oh, for those his
1: two. That's finding dory. Okay, that's in finding, I think it's finding yeah. dory.
2: And Jacques is the only one that has a clean one. Yeah. Because he keeps cleaning oh, it up. Oh
1: let's name the zones, the zones, the zones. Let's, <laughs> let's name the zones of the open sea.
2: But he sings it faster than that, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> I can't say this crap. Abyssal abyssal Pelagic are there.
2: Exactly. The
1: species, the species will save the species live in the sea. There's pory ferrocolor what? How in the world? Yeah.
2: See you would have had to study some marine biology for that, mess. What? Mm -hmm, My mm -hmm.
1: goodness gracious.
2: Yeah. Well, the tank gang is fun and then there's all the mine mine.
1: mine. Now, this that's... is that's why this is why we sing
2: the song like this. blah 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 But the the whole mine, 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 mine what? 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 that's uh that's a whole cultural thing, you know, like and then the crabs are like, hey, get out of here, get out of here.
1: And they're just snapping at Bubbles. Uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's a stupid model. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, there's just so much. And there's such a good message in here, too. And Nemo's like, I can do this, Dad. I was made to do this. Lucky Finn.
2: Oh, Lucky Finn. Now, do you have a favorite character?
1: Mm. I mean, I don't want to be like... Everybody else and be like Dory, you know, because mm-hmm. she's really funny, and Ellen did a great job as her voice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so out of like, uh, probably it's probably Bubbles, just because I like bubbles, mm-hmm. bubbles, 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 Bubbles. Uh, but but I do really like Pearl. She's like, you made me ink. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I do like Mr. Ray. But out of like the main ones, I would say it's Dory. Mm-hmm. Just because she has so much personality.
2: Well, I love Crush.
1: Yes. Yeah, dude.
2: Yeah. Uh crush is crush is great. Like, hey little dudes. Yeah, hey, um, little dudes. <laughs> and uh and I've always loved I like squirt. I've always loved the sea turtles and such as so. Me
1: too. You know that. Yeah, was a, no, they're good.
2: They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. I
1: also think it's funny that the Mako shark's name is Chum. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I no, watch the a hammer shark
2: is. Oh, the Mako shark is Chum. Yeah. Okay.
1: The hammerhead is Anchor.
2: Okay, and and what's funny is that's Eric Bana. Yeah. <laughs> and and Bruce Spence is those along with Barry Humphrey's... as. Is Bruce, but, and Bruce is, you know, we here's an, here's a fun fact slash Easter egg for you. Bruce, you know, why they named the Great White Bruce in Funny Nemo? Because that's what they called the shark in Jaws. Like the oh, actual, yeah. the actual mechanical shark, you know, on the production staff called that shark Bruce. Mm-hmm. So that's why they named the Great White Bruce. Hmm. There you go. All right. Yep. And, um, yeah, so I just think it, that's a, that's there's an Easter egg for you and a fun fact. It's an Easter egg and a fun fact. Now, here's the real question, Teresa. Mm. Did this movie make you cry?
1: I'm trying to think if it originally made me cry. It probably made me verklempt. <laughs> that's the word okay. we're using. This movie would definitely have a tick on it for me. Because I'm sure at one point I cried. And I'm sure at one point I was verklimped. Now, though, I don't think so. You know?
2: Um. You don't think so?
1: I don't think so when I watch this one. Because the only two parts it would happen in would be with Coral. But that happens really fast. And then... At the end where he's swimming down and swimming down and then he's like, you know, gets knocked out or whatever. Uh
2: what about when he um When when he runs when he goes through the uh through the jellyfish to save Dory. Marlin? Yeah.
1: No, that doesn't make me cry, it just as like, Ooh, not a good idea. Okay. That's very intense though.
2: Yeah. But no, I don't think so. Hold on a second. Let me see. What about this?
1: No, you can't. Stop! Please don't go away. Please. No one's ever stuck with me for so long before. And if you leave... Uh. If you leave... I just... I remember things better with you. I do. Look. P. Sherman. 42... 42... I remember it. I do. It's there. I I know it is because when I look at you, I can feel it. And and I I look at you and I, I'm home. Oh god, dang it, Steve. <laughs> Please. Oh. I don't want that to go yeah. away. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's that too. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna forget. Oh, don't forget.
2: Yeah, I mean, come on. Come on.
1: Yeah, it does. Finding Dory makes me sad, too.
2: Like it comes out of nowhere with that. I don't think it. It doesn't make me sad, but it's definitely a moment that the first time I saw it, I, I was surprised and you know felt a little bit of a lump in my throat, but not really. I didn't cry, but it wouldn't have taken much more beyond that to make me cry.
1: Yeah, this definitely this movie does choke me up. though. Yeah, it, Although I I do really like Marlon, and I like him for several reasons, but one of this one of them is because he can't tell jokes. Oh yeah. He's like, so there was a mollusk.
2: Well, because clownfish don't clownfish tell jokes.
1: Don't... <laughs> yeah. Clownfish aren't any funnier than any other fish. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else is like, what? Why? Are you sure you're a clownfish? Tell me a joke. Uh-huh. So stereotypical.
2: So Very much so.
1: No, but I love this movie. There's so much about this movie that is so good. You know, and we're going to say that about pretty much all the Pixar movies, I would imagine. But mm-hmm. Finding Nemo does stand out as one that I can watch over and over, and it doesn't kill me. Like Toy Story three, nope.
2: Yeah, we're nope. not even going to watch that one for this show. We are. Nope.
1: We have to. No. Yeah, we do. We have to. Oh my god.
2: Well, but I think I think one of the one of the successes of Finding Nemo is when you when you look at where we've come so far with with the movies we've seen there hasn't been anything that on one hand this doesn't seem like a very bold kind of choice to make it seems like it'd be really simple you know it's very blue backgrounds and everything it it would seem to me like it it wouldn't be a big deal to do this but the, the shades of blue in the water from, you know, with, with everything they go through, but also just the the absolute colors and everything. It's a really, like, there's no wonder the kids love it because it's a really pretty movie to watch. It, it, it really does. And so that when they get to that point where they're at Sydney and they're in, you know, kind of the urban waters of everything in the contrast of all the green and the different things that are going on and all the industrial crap that's there and everything... Like, it feels like they're going into the belly of the beast. It's a real, almost a hero's journey with, with these characters. But also, like I say, it just it's it's engaging to watch because of the way the colors pop off the screen and the way these different... You know, we've not spent time with a lot of fish before. True. You, know, you think about where we've gone with fish it, with our Disney movies. There was Monstro the Whale. There was the goldfish... <laughs> well the goldfish and pinocchio as well and then there was um there was the battle there was they they did the fish thing in in uh, sword in the stone oh yeah and that's about really it you know i mean under the sea i guess the little mermaid had a had a lot of things but again that's that 2D animation this comes into that whole different realm that pixar brought things to
1: yeah and i don't i think Doing a film underwater is much better served with computer animation because mm-hmm. you can get this depth of field to things that you can't with two D animation, and they can put all the effects of what it looks like when you look into water. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see that even in the lighting and the way that certain areas are lit and everything, and you can tell it's just so well done.
2: Well, and also, like you know, you talk about the animation style and how they studied fish movement and all these other things with this. And if you go to Little Mermaid particularly, they did the human faces with some of these, you know, some of these fish and everything and, and different things. And so everything was kind of a character. I mean, flounder, there's no fish in the sea that remotely resembles flounder.
1: Well, no, and flounder is not a flounder.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. And But when you look and see, for example, when you look at Marlin and when you look at Nemo, no, a clownfish's face doesn't really do that, but... You know when you go and see a clownfish that hey that's the fish that Nemo was based on, or that's the fish that you know you see the blue tang the regal blue tang that's the fish that Dory was based on, you know um everything though it's a little bit stylized, there's still an authenticity to it that I don't know was in was there with much of the sea life in little mermaid, and mm-hmm. that's not and that's not a slight against little mermaid I mean you know little mermaid's a cartoon it's supposed to be stylized and everything but there's just something about the 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 environment and everything that goes along with nemo and the different animals and the characters that are there that just feels really really different uh from anything else that pixar disney had done to this point and and the story is just a basic story i mean you know it's not It's a kid lost and the parent's going on on an adventure to find the kid. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, dad goes to save son. That's the story. Yeah, but then
1: son ends up having to save everyone else. Right.
2: (laughs) Right. But I'm just saying, like, if you're the the elevator pitch is a fish goes to save a son who got picked up and put in an aquarium. You know? and it's and it's about the journey that they go on to find that and it and it works though it absolutely works, and then you throw in the relationship of Marlon and Dorian there and their friendship and how that builds and and how it's the classic go it's a classic odd couple you know mm-hmm. type of motif where you got the you've got the straight man and you got the funny one and then and and the way they play off each other and of course he gets really irritated with her, and she gives that great speech of like look this this matters what you've been for me and done for me matters and And you're right. Ellen did a great job voicing that character, and it's just Ellen's voice. I mean, you know, she doesn't do anything, you know, out out there or or fancy with her voice, but she definitely acts. You know, she definitely gets into it. And and when you hear uh, Dory's voice break up as she's saying, you know, I don't don't go, please don't go. When when I see you, I'm home. I mean, like, man, that's heart wrenching stuff. Because you know, we've all have that friend that feels like home or that loved one that feels like home. You know. And and to know that Dory had never had that, and she was just this happy-go-lucky, forget everything. You know, now she has home and family that she just can't. And that leads into Finding Dory eventually, which we'll get to in three years, you know, but, um, or four, whenever. Two thousand and what, 25 we'll get to Finding Dory?
1: Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, by then we should get there. That's right.
2: And, uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's a great movie that, it's one of those things that has no business being as great as it is, to be honest with you.
1: Right, but it's fantastic. Mm-hmm.
2: I, so good. 100% agree. 100% agree. No music oh, or story really. I know. In this is there's I nothing mean, no... you
1: really you can't really play anything. Right. Yeah. So
2: who did the score for this? Do we know? Was this a was this a Newman?
1: I do not know the answer to that. I didn't even look. Let me Google that for you.
2: Boom. Hold on, let me see if I can pull that that little sound up. Finding
1: Nemo.
2: Finding Nemo. It was not
1: scored by Randy Newman. The original soundtrack album, Finding Nemo, was scored by Thomas Newman his cousin. His
2: cousin, Thomas Newman. That's strange.
1: It was nominated for original musical score, losing to Lord of the Rings,
2: Return of the King. Well, and that's because Lord there of the Rings...
1: music. You could play the Nemo song. There's that one, that one track, you know, that like, you, you can hear in your head, the... Do, 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 do. Like, I know what it is. I can't sing it. I'm not good at music.
2: I don't... What are you talking about? The, the, the It's Nemo like the song. music
1: they always play, like... Well, they're always in the water, frankly. Um... Like the one they play when they're in the water The one they play when they're in the water I think it's the main title song It's like the It's what they play when they're swimming I guess they always swim This? Well that's the Nemo egg song There's a different song
2: That's very sad
1: sounding Hmm. let's see no 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 well that's the egg song
2: this is the Finding Nemo song
1: First day. First day, that one. The I think. That one. Okay. Yep. That's the one that I associate with finding me.
2: Okay. Okay, that's some that's some Nemo music there. This is the Turtle Lope. Okay. So, yeah, just a lot of orchestra, you know, which uh, we love orchestrated music on this show. We we don't not like it, but it's not like the musicals of the those, um, those Disney.
0: Um, now, there
1: is a song, and someone did bring it up in the chat, that's called Big Blue World or In the Big Blue World. It's from the Finding Nemo musical that's at Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That one's a pretty good song. Uh Again, it's not from the movie, but it's from the Finding Nemo from musical. The Nemo from the Finding Nemo Okay. Yeah. Big Blue World.
2: Big Blue World. Is that is that any is that maybe a takeoff of Big Country by Big Country from the 80s? I don't know. In a big country. You don't know that song? Uh, no. Okay. Well, maybe we should. I was going to play The Ocean by Led Zeppelin on our way out later, but maybe we should play oh, Big Country. You...
1: No, play The Ocean. That's good. But I want to hear... In the big blue world I don't remember exactly how it goes
2: Alright, well how about this? Let's see if we can I'm sure there will be a bit of an ad real quickly But uh, just give me just a moment No, ads, yay So, yeah, you know, listen That's how people make money We gotta Okay, here we go All right, we're excited It's your first day of school, Nemo We're ready to learn To get some knowledge Now what's the one thing we
0: remember Before we head out from here The ocean's not safe so we have to check if the coast is
2: clear. Right. We go out, then back in. Back in. <laughs> and then we go out, and then back in. And one more time out, and then back in. And sometimes, if you
0: want to do it four times... Come on! Okay. Hey, Dad, hey, Dad, wouldn't it be cool If I maybe met a shark when I'm at school? No. Or an angelfish, is it true that they have wings? I don't think so. Can you believe there are so many things In the big blue world?
2: That's what I'm afraid of. Pretty cool,
0: huh? Do you know
2: how old sea turtles are? It's it's definitely a a Disney musical song, sounds like. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, like, it's definitely a... Now, how long does the Disney musical last at the...
1: The Finding Nemo musical? The Finding Nemo musical. I think it's like 30 or 45 minutes.
2: Okay. Wow.
1: And it's all, like, you know, people that are doing these puppets. Sure. Oh, cool. Okay.
2: All right. Um, it's pretty cool though. Couple of comments from the old uh the old chat here at uh, geekoutpodcast.com slash live. Um every scene makes you want to watch it, whether it's part of the plot or simply comedy relief, you have to watch every scene. And I and that's true. I think that that's that's one of the things because like as you go scene by scene in your in your head, you know, you you think of the little things like once they get to Sydney and they're doing their thing, plus what's happening in the tank you know with the tank gang plus what's going on with the jellyfish the the turtles everything that's happening at school leading up to De- nemo being caught and what a terrifying moment when nemo's caught you know like by the divers and everything it's oh yeah it's crazy as far as favorite characters go real Angie says dory is definitely my favorite her character always makes me laugh so much uh, elena Avalor fan says her favorite characters are crush bruce and dory um so uh, i do
1: like bruce
2: Oh yeah, well, it's it's fun. It was that fun thing of of turning everything on its head. Um,
0: I'm having fish tonight. So <laughs> oh
1: goodness go. uh, Fish are friends, not food. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was a that was a fun fun bit with with the um, with with the sharks. Um, because every time we've seen, I mean, like you go back to, again, what is your, when you come to Finding Nemo, what is your barometer for what's been done in ocean worlds in Disney movies? And that would be, Nothing. Uh, well, that would be the little mermaid and what happened with yeah. the sharks there, you know, like they were all after them. And so, you know, it's uh, it's some good stuff. So I agree. Love Finding Nemo. I think it's a great movie. I do think it's one of those cultural touchstones. I think somehow it became, uh, for kids of that generation, you know, man, sixteen years ago. Like you have, you have college students right now who are like getting ready. They're getting ready to graduate college. Who were like five or six years old when this came out.
1: Yeah, and I was, God, I was graduating high school, and and I was still like woo.
2: And this is, well, I'm just saying, like, this is one of those things that just rocked their world as a child. They're like, I love Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo's my jam. And, like, they're wanting to do Finding Nemo celebration and everything else because they loved it so much. They had all the stuffed animals. They they dreamed of having their own aquarium with Dory and Nemo in it and everything.
1: Yeah, those are really hard to take care of. Them. Oh,
2: sure. But they didn't know that as children. I'm just telling you what they what they dreamed of as children.
1: Well, I know because I wanted one and I found out how hard it was.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, i I've decided i I don't want any responsibilities with any type of pets anymore in my life. Fish or otherwise, I I think there are better there are other people who are better suited to take care of animals than me. So I'll just I'll take keep, care of all the cats. I'll just keep trying to garden. How about that?
1: All right. So well, guess what's next?
2: What is next? Cars. The Incredibles. Oh, the Incredibles! Wow. Yeah. Two thousand. Oh, my Lanta. We're getting into 2005, and that's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, we're going to have some good times. Gee whiz, be fun!
2: I love the Incredibles. Oh, I'm so looking forward to talking the Incredibles. Let's just do it right now. <laughs> Michael Giacchino or Giacchino, yeah. uh, score that. That's that's kind of his, dun, debut, dun, into, dun, dun, his debut into. Is that his debut into the Disney World? We'll talk about it. talk I was like, is that his? Is that his debut into the? Disney World of, of I think scoring, so. but we'll, we'll talk about yeah. it and look into it when, when next we meet. So that's going to be right exciting. All right, guys, so
1: we are out of emails right now. We are out of emails. So we need your emails. So contact us at vaulttalk at gmail.com. Yeah. And you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Disney Vault Talk. We are on Twitter and Instagram, actually, at Disney Vault Talk. I am an ice-cold penguin, and Steve is at Steve Glosson, and you can follow the Goaliverse
2: at Goaliverse. Hey, and don't forget about the Guardians of the Goaliverse over on Facebook as well. You can get there. Uh, Just look for Guardians of the Goaliverse when you go to Facebook. We're having a great time in that group. All kinds of fun things happening over there. If you want to support the shows, we encourage you to do so through the Amazon links at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com and bighonkinshow.com. If you want to support the shows directly, and get things like Forceology and the Superhero Saturday sh- the Saturday Super Show with uh Eris Scherneweiss and, and Adam Brand myself and, and of course forceology with me and Chaz. You can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash geek outloud and supporting us that way. Uh, we have t-shirts actually coming to geekoutonline.com slash shirts. There are some already there. There's the Stranger Things Geek Out Loud shirt. There's the classic Geek Out Loud shirt. We gotta get our Disney Vault Talk shirts ported over to the new store. Um, and a lot of fun things coming that way if you want to show your love for the Goloverse you can do so that way but uh, that does it for us that is it until next time we come back together for the Incredibles I'm Steve
1: and I'm Teresa to infinity
2: and geek on I love it
1: I like that a lot thank yeah, you yeah that's good thank you so much
2: let me make sure I say it Yeah. I think it how alright I think I pronounced it right Guru no it was Guru Guru. I am Guru. Guru-t. All right. Bye, guys. You know, Steve, I love to sing. I have a blue ale, but I love to sing. You've never had to interact with Bobby, have you, Teresa? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah.